Welcome to the Nourish Circle podcast. I am Lori Shortsamudio, a registered dietitian living and working in the greater Toronto area, Ontario, Canada, and host of this podcast. Join me as I have conversations with some badass practitioners working in the health at every size and non-diet spaces. My hope is that through this podcast, we can create a circle of humans that continue to nourish us wherever we are on this journey. Today, my guest is fellow Canadian, Christina Bruce, who is a certified body trust provider and integrative life coach. Christina specializes in helping people break free from dieting, cycling, and negative body image, calling upon her education in health studies, sociology, yoga, meditation, and self-inquiry methodologies. Christina works one-on-one with people to help them develop a positive relationship with their bodies so they can live empowering and fulfilled lives in the bodies that they have. In this episode, we talk about Christina's path to ditching the diet mentality and to moving into body trust. We talk about her blog that she wrote um, fairly recently about listening to diet culture conversations on transit. Please take care and stay safe and enjoy this episode. Hello, Christina. Welcome to the Nurse Circle Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm super excited to have some Canadian content today. Yay! Uh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> I think it's super cool when we can highlight um, other Canadians that are doing great work in this area and just talk a little bit about what you're doing because for once I don't have to say, can you clarify what that healthcare thing means to me? So it's super exciting. Um, and we were just talking offline that I didn't realize we were actually super close to each other. Well, not super close, but close well, close enough. Yeah. Close enough, yeah. So we could actually meet in person at some point. We life. could, <laughs> and maybe we should at some point. <laughs> um, just before we get started, I'd like to ask if there's any privileges or identities that you hold that you're comfortable with sharing with the audience or any paradigms that you work from that might color your answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually hold a lot of privileges in the current framework of our society. So I am um, a white woman who comes from a middle-class background. Um, I'm in, I would say, um, I, I'm definitely not in a thin body, but I'm certainly not uh, large that, um, you know, I'm subject to public ridicule or, um, you know, fat shaming from doctors. So I'm sort of in that kind of in-between space. Um, so that, you know, obviously is a privilege moving through this world. Um, and what really informs my work is I, I come from a health at every size paradigm and also intuitive eating. And I know that we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, but I am a certified body trust provider. So the body trust framework also informs my work. I love the body trust framework. So you did the whole go to Portland and I did. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, I know that at present um, you work with clients to, accept their bodies and their worth overall. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to how you got to this place of, you know, using intuitive eating and health at every size and becoming a body trust provider to work with clients because I don't find it's um, a general starting point for people who are life coaches or kind of work with um, individuals in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, it was definitely um, an evolution of what brought me here. Um, 
I started, I would say really it was a lot of my spiritual awakening that had kind of moved me towards this journey back to the self. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, um, and, and actually still am, I, I'm very much also informed by the work of Byron Katie. So Byron Katie is a spiritual teacher. She has a method of self-inquiry where we question the stressful thoughts that are in our mind, you know, that cause us all of this sadness and, and anger and, and, and discomfort and depression and whatnot. And we start to identify what's going on in our minds. You know, what is our beliefs? What is our, what is our thinking? So it really works with the mind. And I attended, she has a nine day school for the work. It's a very, very deep dive into this um, process. And so that was a big, a big shift for me. It was a big shift away from um, kind of my first way of noticing how much I was self-punishing myself with my beliefs and my thoughts. And, and it really moved me to be more compassionate with myself and kinder. And so as I'm moving through this process, I, I loved this tool of self-inquiry. And I also realized that it's not a, a tool that necessarily resonates with everyone. You know, there are um, some people that it just really cuts right to the core with them. And so awesome. But I wanted to be able to, now that I had kind of this insight into, oh my gosh, like we're not our minds. We're not Mm -hmm. our thoughts. They're just content that moves through us. And I wanted to be able to work with people on this. It's like, this has really helped me. How can I help other people? And so again, as I said, when I realized it wasn't a paradigm that everybody's particularly resonated with, I wanted a different way, like another tool, another set of approaches that I could kind of ease into this process with people. And so I became trained as a life coach. Mm. So I went through the Ford Institute, um, which I actually don't um, use their coaching modalities um, as they have it laid out because it's a very, they have a very specific style of um, content. Um, But I learned their coaching skills and it was um, a beautiful program. So, so I was going through that. And at the same time, I ended up, um, my boyfriend at the time, now my husband moved in with me. And so as I'm going into this, you know, deeper dive with the self coming into a more compassionate, loving place with the self, I'm now living with somebody who Uh, I want to spend time with and I want to eat meals with. And it became really apparent to me um, how disordered in my eating and how much time trying to manage my body weight took up in my life. So when I was just living on my own, I could exercise all the time. And it didn't matter because all the time was my time. Mm. When I was now with somebody else, I had to share that time. And I realized, oh my goodness, I don't have time for a relationship because almost all of it is is spent on um, maintaining my body size, which was much smaller at the time because I was actively suppressing my weight. And also too, I started to become aware of, um, again, how disordered my eating was. So when we would share meals, I was so worried about what I was eating and I would come home from work. And at the time, because he was an immigrant, he couldn't work. I was very lucky to have a personal chef. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when I would come home 
and a meal wasn't ready immediately, I would just lose it. Oh, like wow. I would just break down and I didn't know it. It was because I was so hungry. Oh. It was, I was just starving myself mm-hmm. and I was desperate. And so, so it became this real emotional roller coaster. You know, I'm, it, it, my emotions were up and down all the time because I was now quote unquote relaxing more with, you know, him and not exercising as much. My weight started to come up. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be that small. And so I, I panicked and I doubled down and oh, I was no. like, okay, I really need to try hard now to pres- suppress my weight. So I was weighing myself every day and it got really obsessive and I was just, it, it was just awful. It was awful. I was just having, I would just break down crying all the time. And I just got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. This is, this is so self-punishing. I'm not happy. And I just said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with dieting. And it was around that time that I started to become introduced. Like I had through, you know, various ways, come across intuitive eating, come across health at every size. <clears throat> and that started my, my journey into this work. And so it coincided quite nicely that when I finished my life coaching program, I said, this is what I want to coach people on because it was my journey because I had such deep personal experience with it. And I knew that I wasn't the only one. I knew that it was likely almost everyone. (laughs) So that's, that's what brought me to where I am today. Wow. That is quite the journey. Um, and it's interesting how it coincided with, um, you know, your training and getting comfortable at home and all those kind of things that just everything kind of percolated all at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how, um, your own body story seems to have really informed your work. Um, and just the, um, like living as a female and how we act oftentimes um, actively suppress our weight um, in our society. And, and then when you realize that there was a relationship that was more important than all of that work, it, it's just, it's very fascinating. Do you find that um, you hear similar stories when you're in your work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody has their own story and there's, there's some sort of variation to it. Um, some people might've started even more so in childhood. Mm -hmm. So, um, I suppose I was, you know, quote unquote lucky enough that my, my dive into disordered eating or sort of a fall into disordered eating, let's call it that, um, really didn't happen until I was actually out of university. Oh, okay. So I had sort of done some dieting in high school, but, um, it didn't, I think maybe just because I was so active in high school, I was on the rowing team, you know, I was on student council, I was in band, like I was just involved in so many activities that it just, it it wasn't, it wasn't so full on for me. Um, And that's not to say though that other people who are involved in all these activities don't also suffer from disordered eating or eating disorders because they definitely, some people definitely do. Mm -hmm. But so, so meaning that I kind of came to it later in life. Yeah. Whereas um, a lot of my clients, I noticed 
really had some strong influences in their younger years and even through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always some element of feeling like they need to be smaller in order to be okay, in order to receive love, in order to feel like they're good enough. Yeah. Yeah. That I find that to be a common theme as well. And it's, um, it's such a, such a example of our society, right? That that's how we're, we're raised and we're taught even from little people that this is the way we need to be a certain size and don't take up space. And it's so, it really is heartbreaking sometimes. Yeah. And there's that element particularly for, you know, for people who identify as female in our society, um, if they're socialized female, it's, it's about not taking up space. It's about being submissive. It's mm-hmm. about being smaller. It's not being too loud. It's not being too out there. You know, there's that, that it's very a metaphorical expression with the body as well. Mm-hmm. I find it super interesting. Um, I have um, two children, one born female, one born male. And the stories around their bodies that I hear externally from others Um, and they're not that old, but the genderization of them is crazy. And, um, the, um, one born female people will talk about, you know, being tiny or whatever. And the one born male is, Oh, look how strong, look how defined. And they're very young and still to hear stories like that is, um, it's kind of heartbreaking because it's, people layering these ideas of what they're supposed to look like when they're 11 and eight. (laughs) And it's incredibly heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And this is, um, and it's starting even even younger, you know, there's children as young as three years old are concerned about being fat. And, and that's just, that's just really, that's, that's really symptomatic of a very um, confused society. Oh, for sure. Um, and it kind of leads me to my next question, which is, I know that you're a body trust provider, like you meant to mention in the beginning. Um, and I was wondering if you could speak to what being a body trust provider is and how you work with clients in that frame, because I think learning to trust our bodies, um, is one of the most important things we can do in this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, it's, it's really like a framework or, or sort of really framework of, of working with ourselves and our bodies. And it's taking kind of everything that we had learned and been taught about how to view our bodies, about our relationship with our bodies, and essentially flipping it on its head. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that, that uh, they say in, in body trust is we move away from doing things to and on our body to for and with our body. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's really, it's really just a radical re-envisioning of what it means to occupy and care for our body. It, it's a healing modality. So when we, we've often, we, we have experienced a lot of trauma growing up around our bodies particularly around body size. So this is about going into the healing work around that. Um, and it's weight inclusive. So this, this is not, this paradigm is about bringing in people of all body sizes with zero intent to change anybody's body size. 
-hmm. So working with people from wherever they are, whatever way they're at to come to a place of, of healing and trust with their body. And really it's a birthright. You know, we were born into this world being able to trust our bodies just as they are. Mm-hmm. So it's coming back to that. And it's also about reclaiming our bodies for ourselves. So reclaiming that we can experience pleasure with our bodies, that we can know what our body needs, that mm-hmm. what it wants. We can listen to it. We can own this body for ourselves. So it's really about, yeah. Sorry, I was just like that own our body for ourselves. That's something that uh, we definitely don't hear in our system. Yeah, nope, nope. And it's really about coming home. Yeah. Coming home and it's, and it's, it's liberating ourselves from everything that we've been taught that we should do, that we need to be, that we could be. And then really then it's about all of this information that, you know, we receive from ourselves when we let go of this current um, diet culture paradigm and we start to really come home again, reclaim ourselves, trust ourselves, listen to ourselves. We take all this information and we practice it. How do I live this in my life now? That is so amazing. I got honestly goosebumps while you were talking because it's, it must be so magical to see that transformation. Yeah, it really is. It really is to see people really come to the understanding that nobody knows my body better than I do. Mm-hmm. And this is the body for, this is my body is really, really powerful and it can be completely game changing. Oh, I bet. Do you find, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Just a second. Even it can just change the course of, of your life. Oh, for sure. I was wondering if when people find you to work with you, do they, are they kind of all in, in that concept in the beginning or does it take some time or probably a mix of both? So I, when I work with people and, and I sort of ask that people, um, I think when people want to work with me, they're kind of at a point now where they're already familiar with, um, maybe they've come into under uh, like learning about hearing about body positivity. Um, you know, you kind of need to be in this place where you're ready to just say, I'm okay. Even though I may still want to be smaller or I want to diet or I want to control my body, I'm now open and willing to, to try something different. Um, so they kind of need to be at this place. So everybody's on the diff- a little bit further in their own journey. So some people might have already started to incorporate some of this. Mm-hmm. And then some people are right at the point where they're like, I just, I, I'm done dieting, but I don't know what to do. I don't mm-hmm. know how to move forward. And so I take people through an eight week, you know, one-on-one coaching program where we start to make those changes in their life. So they start to practice it, really get, you know, we sit with what is coming up, what are the roadblocks, what are the, what are the old, what's the paradigm, the old beliefs, and start to work through that so we can make these changes so they can connect with themselves to see, well, what is it that I really want? You know, some people have never really asked themselves that question. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know that they never felt they had permission to. Yeah. It's interesting. I find that um, when it comes to even people choosing food, when you say to somebody, what would you like for dinner or whatever? It's, I don't know. 
right? Because we are so like even disconnected in that sense of saying what I want for food can be shameful for some people. And then to even take what you're doing on the a whole nother level and make it so much bigger of what do I want for myself? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's something that um, oftentimes it's just not done or thought of. <laughs> it's so profound. You know, I mean, this, this, this culture, what we're born into this culture is a culture of conformity. Mm-hmm. It's a culture to make us good little workers and consumers. <laughs> <laughs> this is very, very true. And so we, we are indoctrinated from the moment that we are born and depending on, you know, depending on our family's beliefs, we might be less indoctrinated than some. Um, but we are born into this world absorbing the current framework and, you know, what's happened up to this date. And we think that this is it. We think that this is what we have to do. But, but we're really born into this world to be the fullest expression of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there is no box that, that, we need that, that is available for us to do that. It's all about breaking out of a box. Yes. And sometimes we need to know what we're not in order to find who we are. So true. Um, it's the, you know, the journey that we're on teaches us things about ourselves. So I think that's wonderful. Um, One of the ways that I was introduced to your work was through a blog post that you wrote last summer. Um, I had followed you on social media, but not read a lot of your work. And it was, the title was, is fat really the worst thing you can be? Um, And I loved it because you wrote about overhearing a conversation on the streetcar and just kind of what came up when two men I believe were talking about um, a canoe trip or hiking or something and it turned into kind of a diet culture talk and so um, I want to talk a little bit about how fat phobia shows up in so many of the conversations and is everywhere when we're out in the world and um, sometimes I find that when we're working with clients in you know the safe space of our office they then have to go out into the world um, to do the practices that we've talked about and how fat phobia might show up for them. That's a very big question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what is it? What's the particular question? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just, you want to just talk about it? I just want to talk about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that again is the, you know, this is the indoctrination. We're in what's, what's kind of coin diet culture. And what it mm-hmm. essentially means is like, it's this culture that expects and assumes that we're all going to be at some point be wanting to be thinner. And if it's a male, you know, in that male body could be being muscular and bigger, mm-hmm. yeah. but really it's about no fat. Yes. You know, that's, that's the main theme. And so we're taught that we're supposed to do this through eating certain foods, through restricting food, through counting calories, through cutting out food groups, through micromanaging, like through exercising and, you know, just all of the stuff, all of the belief systems, all of the ideas that we have about, and then we're told that this is healthy and we're told that this is caring for ourselves and we're told that this is just, this is what we're supposed to be doing. So when we come to this, you know, body trust framework, health at every size framework, intuitive eating framework, which is not that, um, it can become 
kind of jarring to see how much it's infused in everything in our world. It's, it's in our family conversations. It's in our workplace conversations. It's riding the streetcar or public transit. You know, it's, yeah. it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. And it's just assumed. It's assumed that that fat is bad. It's assumed that fat is ugly. These are just assumptions. They are not fact. So can it be challenging to go into this world trying to now say, I'm not going to participate in that anymore? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Of course it can be hard. Of course. I mean, this is brave work. This is courageous work. This is the work of, you know, a real light warrior. Yeah. <laughs> This is about breaking out of the old paradigm and just saying enough because while, I mean, we could really go into a lot of the reasons of why, but um, while it may have served us in feeling safe in the society of feeling like we fit in, what it ultimately does is it goes against ourselves Mm -hmm. and we, we turn on ourselves and we can never feel genuinely good and loving towards ourselves when we're constantly turning on ourselves, even if it's through a diet or punishing exercise or whatever it may be. Now it could be that a certain diet might just happen to align with what works for us, but that doesn't mean that it's the diet. That just Mm -hmm. is kind of a coincidence. (laughs) Like, Oh, well, I guess that worked out kind of okay. But for most people, um, it doesn't when we, especially when we don't allow ourselves that flexibility. So, so it can be really challenging and it's why, um, building, you know, I, I personally curate, I've curated my social media feed so that I only follow people that are supportive of all body sizes. I don't follow anybody who's pushing diets or who's, you know, pushing a particular way of looking or being, mm-hmm. um, and it's, you know, trying to find some sort of community or, or really, for me in the beginning, I immersed myself in all of the literature and content that I could find. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to podcasts all the time that were talking about this. Um, I was reading books. I was watching movies. I was doing whatever I needed to to build myself up to feel really strong in this understanding, particularly around the health piece, because we're very, very confused right now as a culture about what um, about body size and health. Yes. And so that's always the piece that people are going to come to. That's always the piece that people kind of, you know, throw back and say, "Yeah, but what about health?" Well, the reality is, is that body size does not cause poor health. Um, there, there can be some correlation, but that doesn't mean that losing weight is actually going to make us better. It's not, it's not going to make us healthier and it's not going to make us better. Um, because people get sick at all body sizes as well. So anyways, not to get into that, but yeah, so, so it's challenging and it's, um, it's basically just a form of discriminating against people. It's a form of bigotry, the way that we judge and view people based on body size. And it's very real in our culture. It is. And it's very frustrating. It's not part of, um, body size is not part of the human rights code in Ontario. Um, it's, I have to do um, equity, um, 
EDR training, accredited um, diversity and inclusion training um, at work. And I'm always raising my hand and saying, wonderful conversation, wonderful points. Why are we not talking about body size too? Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, well, it's not part of the Human Rights Act. I'm like, okay, but can we still talk about it when we're training? Like, we need to talk about it. It's, um, it's very frustrating to me. Um, and it's... I love that you're doing that. Thanks for bringing that up. Oh, it's, I, it's my new mission. <laughs> it's to bring it up everywhere, I think. Um, because it's conversations we don't have. Um, I taught a weight stigma class last week in a nutrition class that I teach because they, I felt they needed to have that conversation and I put it in with another lecture and spun them together and because we don't talk about it enough um it, at least in my world of dietetics I don't feel to talk about it enough mm -hmm. um and, and I think it's it's true when we start to do this work and and I love that you said it was brave courageous work because it is it's going against kind of the cultural norms um and sometimes it gets really tricky. How much effort are you going to put into those conversations around you when people are talking about their diets or their health or, oh, it's just to be healthy. Um, healthism is such a thing um, that I think it, it's even braver and harder to have those conversations with friends and family and colleagues. Mm -hmm. And I give all our clients so much credit for when they're doing that work. Yeah. And you know, when it comes to having those conversations, I, I say like pick and choose. Yes. You know, this is also about your self care. You know, do you have the, the energy to do this? Um, the reality is some people will never change their beliefs. Nope. I, I, some people will not change. Some people, you know, like you talked about planting seeds. Mm -hmm. It took me a year from first coming into, from first coming across this work to actually being open to, to going towards it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot. So I was talking a little bit about like kind of the why, you know, um, dieting and keeping our body size small can actually be a form of, um, of safety yeah. and a way that we, recover like feel that we can protect ourselves from trauma mm -hmm. if we don't if we don't have the support you know if we haven't maybe found the right therapist or coach that we can work with so there's very real reasons and valid reasons why people are doing this yeah and so i respect that and so i won't shame anybody or blame anybody for dieting or wanting to you know suppress their weight i can understand why they may do that mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of different reasons but when we can just you know even if it's just dropping little little hints you know like i remember i once shared in a post that um a couple of colleagues of mine were that i hadn't seen in a while they were in a different part of the country um, the one had started running mm -hmm. and so he had guess lost some weight from running. And so the other colleague just said, Oh, like, look at him. Like, doesn't he look amazing? He started running. He lost like X pounds, excuse me. And I said, um, and I said, I said, I said, you know, I think he looks great no matter what size that he is. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that you're doing something that makes you feel good. Yeah. 
and she, you know, was a little bit taken aback. She was like, Oh, I, did, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, the skin <laughs> looks great. And, like, <laughs> and, and it was just, I wanted to draw attention to, again, it's that reinforcement of he lost X pounds and now he looks great. So what did that mean before? Yes. And it reinforces this idea too, that, you know, losing weight is always a healthy thing and that, and it's not, you know, people lose weight because they're, of the, because they're ill. People yeah. lose weight because they're depressed. So we have to stop with this idea that thinner is healthier, that thinner is better, that thinner is more attractive. These are not facts. These mm -hmm. are beliefs. Yes. It, it's so, I love that example. Um, and it's something that um, has resonated with me from very, I have Crohn's disease and I was diagnosed in my early twenties. And when people would say, oh my gosh, you lost weight, you look so great. My first comeback was always, I am really, really sick right now. And so I think that disease taught me that bodies don't show us health. Um, so it's one of the things that my lived experience taught me very, very um, quickly um, to, and how to come back to those um, comments all the time. And now I'm just like, well, what did you think I looked like last time you saw me? Um, but it, it's interesting because without that personal experience, I'm not sure I would have, I would have been as aware of how that common comment is said mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and how it kind of makes people feel. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just one of those things that I'm always like, oh, I say Crohn's taught me more about bodies than any education ever did. Um, just about how we talk about them. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. So there was that gift in that disease. Yeah. Um, you mentioned um, writing um, social media posts and, and about that comment. And you have great social media posts. That's how I was introduced to you is through your social media. So many people share what you write. And, mm, thank um, you. and I was like, Oh, I need to follow this person. Um, and you are beautifully to the point, um, with the things that you write, um, and comments. And there are so many of them. I can't even, um, begin to start off the top of my head. There was one recently about uh, children um, and how children are watching us and what we say and what we do. And um, I love that um, because I think it's so true, but I, I'm a little curious as to, do you get pushback on social media about the comments that you write just because we are so steeped in diet culture and, and you are really, you know, countercultural in that way? Mm, yeah, sure do. <laughs> <laughs> How does that make you feel? <laughs> uh, it depends on the frame of mind that I'm coming at at the same time. So whether I'm taking it personally, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, this is a practice and not taking things personally. Very true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's, it's tricky. It, I find it, I find it a, a real kind of practice or discovery because some people will reply um, and push back because they just, they're coming again from the current framework and understanding around weight and health. Yeah. They're coming from the place that, you know, I was at before I started this and they, they don't know any better. They don't know any different. And, and you know, and how could they, if they haven't come across on any of this um, research or, or information that's out there. So it's, for me, it's about to, deciphering between who are the people who really actually want to know more, 
you know, who are the people who are in pain? All of them are in pain. Yeah. So the thing that I always try to remember is anytime anybody says anything negative towards anyone, and it doesn't matter, this isn't just about social media comments, it's just in life, and it's hurtful, it is coming from a place of pain. They are hurting inside. They don't know how to deal with it. They want it out. And so they put it on whoever is in front of them as a way to make themselves feel better. Yeah. So, you know, that's ultimately what's happening here. That's happened. That's what's happening when people make these comments. So if I can tell that it's somebody who just wants to argue and it's somebody who just wants to be right and it's somebody who just, again, wants to let out their pain. Um, I have compassion for them, but I also do not um, tolerate that in my space. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I, I do. You know, I don't want somebody spewing all their junk over me. So no. <laughs> I'll uh, delete or block those particular people. Mm-hmm. But it's if I, if I can, I always try to be a bit open you know, I try to, to be cautiously open because again, it can sometimes be opening the door to just somebody vomiting their garbage on me. Yeah. But um, if I can see that it's that they just, how they're coming at it and how they're approaching me at it is just because they, it is defensive or they just don't know any different. But if there's maybe in a couple comments later, they'll say, you know, okay, thank you. Like I always try to recommend a resource. Mm. That's usually what I try to start with because if they don't know this information, they have to read about it to learn about it. Yes. And if they're not willing to do that, then they're not somebody that is, is going to necessarily be interested in my work. And so I don't need to be engaging with them. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, it's, it's really, it depends on the day, depends on my, my, my emotional capacity. It depends on, you know, what kind of, how deep my well is that day. Mm-hmm. And I just try to remember that, you know, this is new. This is new. This is going to, this is, this is counter to even the medical establishment, which has a ton of power over, um, over our healthcare. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is, this is very new. This is, this is the way forward. And I will be, this, I really strongly believe that this is the way forward. We may not see it adopted in our medical system in our lifetime, but this is the way forward. The way that it's currently working right now, the way that we treat bodies, the way that we look at healthcare, the way that we um, treat body size is it's on its way out. It's not, it's not healthcare, it true healthcare. It's not working. You can't heal people through discrimination and judgment. And we might, we got to go a lot deeper than the surface. Oh, that is so wonderfully said. Mm. You are a rock star. I just have to say, (laughs) thank you for all of that. Mm. Um, one way I kind of like to wrap up the show is to ask you what is nourishing you now? And that can be personal or professional or both or any combination. Hmm. What is nourishing me right now is to keep returning to my heart. Hmm. So it's any practice that is going to bring me back to my heart, bring me back to my spirit. So that's meditation, that's yoga, that's breathing, that's dance. It's um, remembering that, you know, I feel this call to 
to help make this shift in the world towards body acceptance, helping clients, whether it's through that social media, being connected to my, my family and my friends, just whatever I can do right now to stay grounded and stay connected. That's what nourishes me. Oh, that is so lovely. Um, and thank you for doing that. Um, because I think if you're grounded and connected, you are able to put forth all the beautiful work that you do. Um, and speaking of your beautiful work, if people wanted to find you um, out in the universe, how can they do that? So they can find me at my website, which is Christina with a K. So ChristinaBruce.com. And I'm also on social media. So Instagram, Christina Bruce underscore coach. I have a Facebook page. And I occasionally post some videos to my YouTube channel. Um, but you can also, on my website, download my free body acceptance jumpstart guide. You'll then be on my email list, and I occasionally send out some emails, not very often. But I do to the list, which has some little updates of what's going on. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today, um, talk a little bit about your story and the amazing work that you're doing. Um, I'm so appreciative of having you in the world right now. So mm. thank you. Thank you. And you're so very welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Nourish Circle. Don't forget to like us on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Mm -hmm.